Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Compass Podcast. This is Dustin, joined by Christian. And uh, we're very excited. We have another episode. Great guest and lots of stories in store. So, Christian, I'm going to throw it over to you. Let's go ahead and do an introduction. Awesome. I'm really excited. This week we have a good friend of mine, Mike Hulick. Mike and I met a long time ago at a party. Yeah. And really the basis of our, our relationship at first was literally just talking about Superman. Oh, it was. And what they did wrong in Man of Steel, and what they did right in the animated series, and I'm like, this man gets I totally forgot. Me and a friend of mine, Doug, were going to rewrite the Superman series, starting with Man of Steel, and then doing, is Return the second one? I don't don't know. Superman Returns? Sure. No, that was before Man of Steel. Was it? I don't remember what the The point is, it was awful. (laughs) It was so And they really missed so much stuff. We wanted to fix it. Then all of a sudden, like, we started talking and then we just became kindred spirits and we're like, I get you, man. I get you. (laughs) I feel like if I just let you guys go on Superman, that could be the whole show. That could be a whole show. Oh, it could be like a season. (laughs) Like, we could have like 14 or 15 episodes critiquing Superman. Well, welcome to the show. We're really glad you're here. I'm really excited. And uh, Christian, if you want to jump in with maybe your first question, I want to hear some stories. You're from Illinois, not Indiana, but you get Unfortunately. Better, you got better pizza. By the way, what's your favorite... Chicago... Deep dish pizza joint. In LA? No. They don't have deep dish. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there actually are a few good ones. Okay. Um, but uh, back home, I grew up on Giordano's, so yeah. it's all about that cornmeal crust. <laughs> Very good. I, I can't... I have no complaints with that. Yeah. That's no the, complaints I, at all. You can't really go wrong, though. Like, you're not going to find bad deep dish in Chicago. You're just... You will in L.A., though. Oh, Where, yeah, I want to yeah, know the good yeah. places you know about. There's two. Everybody I know goes to Masa, but my little hidden secret is Hollywood Pies. Hollywood Pies. Yeah, it's I'll like it it's like across from a dollar store. It's like tucked away, very small inside. There's like maybe three tables. But they just kill it. You make them a proud sponsor. Yeah. Dude, are you kidding? <laughs> like, getting good deep dish out here is hard. It is hard. I That's I, It's worth the trip. It's about 45-minute wait, and you're probably going to spend upwards of $35, $40 on it, but you're going to have meals for days. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. You tell me the Midwest because I just gave you like a price breakdown. <laughs> one last side note. I mean, just because uh, my, my grandparents were from Illinois, so oh. they're from a town called Shelbyville. I don't okay. know if you've ever heard of it. It's uh, down by like Decatur, Springfield. I know of it. Okay. I'm from the northern part of gotcha. Illinois. I was about 15 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I know it's Shelby. Like central so. Illinois, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it was the, the rivals in uh, The Simpsons. That was the rival town, Shelbyville mm-hmm. yeah. and Springfield. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's how I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, enough with our love for, for pizza, because that apparently could be another And the Midwest. In yeah. itself. Oh. You're now working in the industry. Yes. You're a creative. As I would call you, you kind of you're doing writing, you're doing some directing, right. you're doing animating, but you're really running the gambit successfully. I want to hear the story that I love about you getting on the Gone Girl set. The Gone Girl set, yeah. This is it's probably the best college story I have. Um, so they were shooting parts of Gone Girl around Southern Illinois, about a half hour from where we all went to SIU, and. A bunch of people were just going to watch and you they would let you watch like it's a small enough town that the crowd forming was maybe 10 20 people <laughs> so they, they'd let us uh stand back and i missed like the first few nights i was an ra that's how i paid to get through college sure. so i had duties but but like in the middle of the day on a saturday i could go and the only person who go with me was my buddy doug and he'd already been the previous two nights and they'd seen like the big search scene yeah. with all the flashlights and a couple other ones 
And we're like, yeah, there's probably not much going on during the day for this thriller. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we went, and, and there was, like, this water tower. And, like, I started climbing up the water tower to get a better view because they were shooting in this little cabin motel in the pool area. They were shooting the pool. Scene. I know the scene, yeah, too. Yeah, they're yeah. doing yeah. Um, and, and so I, we tried to get the vantage point. We get yelled at as we come down like inching closer and there's this PA who's trying really hard to do his job but also like it's, he gets it so yeah, he's kind of like trying to give us as much leeway as possible and then we get too close and they disperse the crowd and everyone has to go and we're just like not satisfied you know this is all of 10 minutes of things <laughs> happening so we kind of just walked around and found this little bluff and we, we went down the bluff and we came up the other side um, and we were on set and we, that was it. Because set was the cabins. They had rented out all the cabins in um, Garden of the Gods. There's a, there's a that little is a cabin. Dope name. Yeah, it's not the, the big one. It's, it's, oh, we have another one. Right. Wow. <laughs> but so, so, so we, we sneak in, and there's all these cabins with all these people walking around. And we just kind of like want to watch, and we want to see how Fincher works. So we get this vantage point, And he, if, if you're wondering, he sits the whole time. And he has a monitor in front of him, and then he has a loudspeaker, and he'll just watch the monitor, and then he'll he'll shout like a tiny alteration. He'll be like, lean in on this note, and they'll do it again. And they'll run like <laughs> wow. 20, 25, 30 takes, and so he can get these minute details that he wants, which obviously he's a master of yeah, craft. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we're watching, and we're watching, and we're watching, and finally, after like a half hour, somebody comes up to us, and they're like, do you guys belong here? <laughs> and I, I mean, this was like a Looney Tune moment. I, I look at the guy and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, which department are you with? And I just go, um, art department? <laughs> and he looks at his clipboard and he looks at me and he goes, you guys don't have a lot to do while they're shooting, do you? And I'm like, nah, we're just waiting. <laughs> and he's like, okay, just don't make any noise. And he just walked away. <laughs> And that was wow. it. Wow. So <laughs> no vapor case, no like no badge, no Oh no no no. You know what I mean? Not they're in like, Southern Illinois. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Alright, they're part of the And he's department. like, okay, these guys are just chilling. Of course they'd be art. Like what else would they be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean look you'd probably like yeah. look no one knew you looked like an art I, I, At the time I had this wispy mustache that oh I would God, curl so up. Barred. And it was go. always greasy because I didn't have time to shower between making movies and being Thank God I had a girl like I was dating someone throughout that period because there was no way I was going to start dating. Someone <laughs> so I gotta add, did you end up sticking around and hitting up crafty and stuff like that while you're there? Like, um, no, we actually that like scared us and we, we <laughs> left. You know how set is? It's yeah, mostly sitting around. Been there, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, and I got to watch Fincher work for a bit. I I, I took the master class. I'm good. And we couldn't get super close class. anyway. And you wouldn't want to, you know. Like I think as creators, you understand they're making something. Right. You don't want to interrupt that. Yeah. You just want to see how it's done. So yeah. we, we got that. We booked. We got this story. Dude, nice. I just think that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess the takeaway for our listeners is, you know, sometimes if you take a little bit of guts and a little bit of balls, you'll uh, you'll get potentially, uh, you know, yeah. rewarded for it. meet Fincher. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I did Maybe. Not, you might meet the head PA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Also, like, always check out Bluffs. This is good. If you if you have the Nintendo Switch and you've been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, you understand that exploration <laughs> is important. It's also, but I mean, it, it is like like you know, just because you're stopped one way, find another way. You Literally. do bring up another good point, right? Just in life in general, right? Yeah. Like confidence 
is everything. Oh my god. If yeah. you act like you belong someplace and you know where you're going someplace, question you. <laughs> no, every good thing that's happened to me in life is because I looked like I knew what I was talking about. So you're from I'm Illinois. From How did you end up in LA? I'm done here. The Midwest is great. I'm going. I'm from a pretty poor town. So if you're not part of the people making the town work, if you're not a football player, if you're not a construction worker, if you're not part of the PTA, if that's not your niche skill set, there's not really a place for you. You so kind of just described every artist in every Midwest town <laughs> in America. Right. That's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, so early on, I think I was two when Aladdin came out, and okay. I vividly remember being in the theater for the Cave of Wonders scene. I didn't know. I was two. I used to tell the story all the time, and then eventually I had to look up when Aladdin came out. I'm like, Jesus, I was a baby. <laughs> when yeah. was it? 94? 92. 92. 92. I, I vividly remember this, this scene, and just like, my little brain was like, this is what I want to do. And that was it. And there was never anywhere else but LA for that. I mean, I, yeah. I toyed with the idea of New York. It's more expensive, I guess. I think that's the real reason I decided <laughs> L.A. It was just more well, expensive. Hey. Yeah, and then I was 19. I was fresh out of high school. That was it. I, Did I you found... know anyone? I mean... Nope. Wow. That's... I have some family scattered around California, but I've never met any of them. What's the first thing you do then, film-wise? Are you diving right in, or are you getting a job to pay your rent? You know, how, how are you handling that? Well, right? I mean, I think people yeah. assume, I'm going to move out here. I'm going to get up, you know, apartment overlooking the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, I know. Were yeah. you ever like in a costume? And by, someone's like, just the gonna Hollywood, the Chinese theater. Or... <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I, I, I worked at a movie theater. Worked at a movie theater for a while. Worked as a bartender. Worked driving Lyft. All the, Bar- all the jobs. Bartender Lyft. Those are like the yeah. two typical LA yeah. jobs. Um, okay. But at the time, I was going to school, so everything was on a student loan. Just okay. everything. But I didn't have to worry. I mean, I'm worrying now. That's the other thing. Is like that's a way to get out of your small town, but you always have to pay that back. So remember gotcha. that when you guys are trying to escape your small towns. But anyway, so, so I was in school, so all I really had to worry about was having enough money to eat and get around. And so my car died, I think, like within the first six months of <laughs> Sounds like someone there. else I know who moved out of here. I've had yeah. like three cars. They all died. Yeah, the, the trip is just horrendously hard. Yeah. And, and so I was biking everywhere, and I was in Culver City, which is super hilly. I lived at the bottom of like a mile-long <laughs> hill, and my job was at the top of it. So I got into work every day covered in sweat. I'd have to bring like extra oh, shirts geez. and things like that. I was young, though. I was 19. Like, doing that now, I'd die. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I became this old wizard who can't move. Uh, but but at, when I, take advantage of youth. That's another good advice. When you're young, do it all because you're going to hit 25 and everything just starts slowing down. And you got to Uber up that hill, man. <laughs> Uber up the hill. Yeah. We need rickshaws. <laughs> I was actually studying animation at the time. Very quickly realized that it was moving in a 3D direction, which isn't my passion. Okay. Since then, I've learned how to 3D model because that's how you survive. You adapt. Yeah. But at the time, I was just kind of like, I don't know if this is for me. I didn't really like art school because everyone was just like me. Everybody was so sure that they knew what was good and everyone else was wrong. And and there was not as much learning going on. I also went to the AIs, which I think I can openly say now are a shit diploma factory because they've been sued Mm -hmm. out the wazoo and Mm -hmm. and they've all closed down. Okay, so, so just life hack, like maybe if you're thinking about going that route. Don't go to an accredited <laughs> school. If it says, I think yeah. there's like nationally and regionally, and one of them is good and one is bad. And you think nationally is good, and it might be, but I don't remember which one. Know which accreditation is <laughs> Do your research, do your homework. That's the other thing is like my parents didn't go to college, so they had tried to help, but this was all like 
me. You're just, on your own. I was googling everything, and yeah. I, I made mistakes along. So the it's way. literally just trial and error. It's what literally do trial before Google. Seriously, ask, talk to people. Went to get an encyclopedia from the library. <laughs> you're doing animation. Yeah. You're not liking the direction that it's going. Not yeah. Not really feeling. You're biking up a big ass hill every day. But yeah, you know, it was it, it wasn't for me the direction my life was going career wise. So I ended up transferring back to Illinois, moving back in with my dad. I worked in fast food for like four years. I go back for a while. I eventually transfer to SIU because it's the only in-state school that has a film production. Every other school in Illinois is film theory, and I didn't. I know. Well, I don't know. I don't claim to be. An no, expert, but you were but looking I, for I, practical experience. I had already studied a lot of film theory in my junior college, and I, I actually got a degree from there. I got an English degree, creative writing. How many degrees do you have? Two and a half. Nice. I mean, it's an associate, so it was <laughs> it was a springboard into my bachelor's at SIU. But SIU was kind of the opposite. I got like like the teaching when I got out to LA was all outdated. All of the theory hadn't been applicable since the '80s. But all of the it's practical actually, knowledge yeah. was fantastic. Oh, that's getting good. to work yeah, with cameras, good. being on set, learning how to work in big groups is the, like an invaluable skill in any aspect. No, and, and I think that's actually a great point for us to chime in. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest challenge that so many filmmakers have early in their career is they're like, this is my film. They don't want to be Napoleon. If you can't learn to work with people, just become a freaking painter. Yeah, or an animator. Yeah, or an animator. We you can sit in your room all day and you make all your assets. So that's a that's a good point, right? I mean, one of the values is the practical experience matters because if you're not learning how to work with your departments and your other creative individuals and constructively, like, learn that maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Or, or I mean, because I'm an introvert. I'm naturally very introverted. Most people can't tell. But that's because not known. Yeah. Today, I made sure to take a lot of me time before I came. <laughs> I'm going to take a lot of me time after so that I can be my best self while we're doing this. Yeah. Same thing with being on set. You yeah. know, it's important to eat healthy. It's important to get a lot of sleep. Take vitamins if you need to. My body isn't good at absorbing vitamins. So I, everywhere I can go, I'm popping vitamins. Yeah. Uh, that shit helps. That's like stuff no one tells you or yeah. everyone tells you so you don't listen about it like, <laughs> your body is a machine and it takes fuel and the, the higher quality fuel you're giving your body the better filmmaker you the can. better filmmaker you're going to be because you can you can go longer hours and you can be more charismatic and you can adapt more quickly like it gives you the fuel to do all of those things fantastic no that's good advice because i think a lot of people are like i'm on set i have to give this 100 percent. yeah not only that but right. if you hang out on enough you know, independent or short film sets. I mean, people are just bringing pizza. Yeah. They're bringing it's really candy. Run they're bringing rampant. soda. No, absolutely. And Aaron, Aaron Mager was always, whenever he worked crafty on our like indie stuff or in college, he was amazing about bringing healthy foods all the time. It was always it sounds like, like Aaron. Dra- dried <laughs> mango and like like trail mix and, and those little bell peppers. You got me hooked on those little nice. baby peppers that you can just munch. If you ever get to the chance to work on Aaron's sets, do it because you're going to eat. You're going to eat good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> to put it like a Midwesterner. When did you make the second jump out to L.A.? One thing I didn't mention is that in all this time, I was kind of figuring out where I fit into the entertainment industry. I was toying with being an animator. I was toying with being a writer. I took an internship out here uh, like the summer of 2013 or 2014. I can't remember. And it was pretty much set in stone that I was going to be moving out here. But I, I told her I was dating someone at the time and she was still in college. So I ended up moving to Milwaukee to hang out with her for a year while she finished college. <laughs> and I wasn't there two weeks before that blew up. <laughs> this, this, this feels like an 80s movie the more I talk about it. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
Yeah. So I was making the most money I'd ever been making at the time. $17 an hour. In Milwaukee? Yeah. Uh, machine tool company. <laughs> I made marketing materials for like laser cutters and metal folders and shit like that. That's awesome. And then I had all this extra money and I had no one to spend it on. And so I was just like eating out all the time and I was drinking really well. I gained about 25 pounds. I got a bunch of tattoos. I went to Europe for two weeks. Dang, dude. Yeah. I was just like... Living the high life. Yeah. Bad idea because I, in <laughs> retrospect, I wish that money would have gone towards coming to LA, like a nest egg. But what are you gonna do? You, sometimes you act out. And then I, I did. I did when my lease was up. I was like, I'm going with or without her. This is what I want to do for a living. I, I can't imagine doing anything else. Even though I hop around the industry doing lots of things, I can't imagine going and just working in like an office in the Midwest again. Well, but yeah. I mean, not there's anything wrong with it. Just, I think everybody when you start yeah. out in the industry, you have to hop around. Right? Part of it is, I think, you, you need the practical experience, and I think you you also, I don't want to see you get disillusioned, but you realize the reality of what different roles are on a mm-hmm. film set. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're making movies with your friends in your basement or in film school, you don't, really, you don't get to see the extent and what's really involved and the depth involved with it. Right, right. I did make films with my friends in my basement. I know, I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you make the jump. You're in L.A. for the time now. Yeah, third time. this is the last time. Third time's a charm, right? Yeah, third time. Jeez, yeah. I feel like a like that's the crazy thing is this year I started finding gray hairs, and I'm like, wait, I just got out of college. What happened? You're just and then, an old man now, dude. That's just, what it is. I know. I'm just waiting. Like I said I'm an old wizard. I'm just Merlin. I'm waiting in my cave for the next hero to come along so I can train them. That's it. Doing animation. Yeah. Everyone tells me that it is incredibly competitive and incredibly difficult to get in. To animation. Yeah. On the studio level, yes. On the indie level, it's more about just having samples, really. Okay. I mean, it's competitive. It's I know it's competitive because I operate at competitive prices. I wouldn't have to do that, right? If it was... You're, I'm not competing with other animators. I'm competing with other budgets, right? People come to animation and they're like, oh, this is going to be cheaper than live action. And I yeah. typically have to explain to them that that's not the case. <laughs> because with live action, you're capturing everything in real time, right? It takes yeah. one minute to create one minute. I mean, it doesn't literally because you're doing so much more no, outside. Yeah, no, I get but what But the saying. filming aspect is one minute and maybe like four hours of setup. Yeah. Um, whereas like I'm creating the backgrounds. I'm creating the characters. I'm having to do revisions. You don't revise a human being's look. Yeah. You, know, you take care of that in casting yeah. And, yeah. and in wardrobe. Um, but you don't, you're not like, mm, can you move the nose over a little bit? Like you're not fine tuning like that. And then I'm creating every, I'm doing that for every single frame, 24 frames a second, 12 in some cases. That's really the hardest part is, is just like reframing people's expectations about what animation is. That's where the 3D and the graphic, uh, motion graphics and VFX come have become so popular because you can do that much cheaper and much more quickly. And you can learn it all on YouTube. So I didn't get a lot of theory knowledge from college, but YouTube is where I learned everything I use today. Life hack, YouTube. Yeah. YouTube University. <laughs> Just, especially like there's the, the amount of creators putting out tutorials for After Effects, the number one VFX program in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not gonna have any problem. You just type in what you're looking for. After Effects, motion graphics tutorial. Kinetic typography is really big. You can learn animation. You know, it's it's obviously a challenge, but if you learn it, then... Is there a program or something you would recommend to someone starting out? It, I mean, it would really depend what type of animation they're doing. Sure. If you want to do 3D modeling, get a hold of Blender. If you're a student, 
get a hold of Maya because they'll get it. You can get it for free. Yeah, I was gonna say, is Maya still free? Yeah, and it's still the number. Well, only for students, I think. Okay. Yeah. And it's still the number one used program in three D modeling. Everybody, okay. Cinema Four D comes with After Effects, and I think Adobe just started letting you do like twenty dollar a month subscriptions for a single program. Oh, instead of the as crazy. opposed to the entire screen. yeah. So I I because for a while it was just Photoshop that offered singularly. <laughs> Adobe is. Um, really amazing if you go on their forums and you ask questions or you suggest new things for the new version they're very responsive oh, that's cool. cool yeah good to know as long as you know what you're talking about i mean don't go in their guns a blazing to find out the feature exists and you just didn't know how to find <laughs> it the studio ghibli uses a program whose name escapes me right now i'm so sorry but it's an italian open source animation program well it's open source now they just released it with all of the studio ghibli settings Okay. It's sort of calibrated for like traditional animation where you're scanning in pencils and doing everything over it. Yeah. But you can adjust that to your own needs. And that's a really cool program. Kakani is a very strange program from like Malaysia. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it boasts the ability to tween complex images. So tweening is when a computer just like you do you set point a and point b and it sets the fills motion. in the gap but you typically you have you can do like one shape or one line or, uh-huh. or something this allows you to do an entire image and it'll morph but you have to draw every line in the exact same order so that means like bottom of sleeve then top of sleeve then cuff bottom of sleeve top of sleeve cuff and whoa yeah it's a little complicated that's gonna get exhausting <laughs> but i think it, it's really good if you're doing close-ups oh, okay okay you know what i mean and you'd only have to do it twice and it's supposed to be able to tween everything in between. So oh. for every like minor motion, you'd only have to do it beginning and end. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So those are like free options, kind of. Yeah, like if you're just starting out, you know, I'm assuming people are like, "Hey, animation sounds cool. Yeah. Where do I start? I mean, of course, you can Google it. Yeah, but but you get you're gonna get so many. Yeah, options. you get. Yeah, there's so much noise. So Blender for 3D, 2D is whatever that Studio Ghibli one is. I'll, I can look it up and send it to you guys later if you want it, like in the footnotes. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll post it. That'll, that's cool. And then. Uh, Trying to think for motion graphics. I don't really know because I've had the the Adobe suite for so long. It's kind of worth it if you're working as an artist and you're making more than six hundred dollars a year. You're you're gonna have to write it off on taxes and it's tax deductible as a work. Well, and well I think it the, was. I haven't done my taxes no, no. yet this year, so I don't <laughs> no, know. No, but the other thing is, if you're a student, you can get the Adobe suites at the student rate. Yeah, which is like expensive forty like percent, but it's not like break the bank expensive. Like and most universities have it available on their. Take advantage of your campus if you're in college, because I did not. Neither did I. I should have. Yeah, me too. I had to learn everything. My first job out here, I was out here a week. I got a job working on a CeeLo Green music video, an animated video. No way. Yeah. And with a director who's now a very good friend of mine. We've worked on a ton of projects together for Capitol and Atlantic Records and Sony. Like, we're a good team. But this was the first time we'd met, and he wanted me to do everything in Illustrator, and I didn't know Illustrator. So I literally went home that night and Googled Illustrator, and I stayed up for like till three in the morning just teaching myself. Learning how to use Illustrator. Oh my gosh. And I did that for like two days before the project started, and then I just kept doing it every night if I came across something I didn't know. I asked for help. Most people are really chill to help if you just ask. I found it like you know what you're doing, and then... Don't do it. Yeah. And it can... That impulse is always there, right? To just like not let them see See that you're freaking out and don't i mean don't freak out but just like ask for help because <laughs> typically people will just be like oh they just didn't know this one thing nobody's going to extrapolate no one's going to be like no he doesn't know illustrator at all at all yeah <laughs> unless you're like what's a vector <laughs> what advice do you have for people who are 
trying to get in, into animation. I mean, obviously you said building your portfolio is important. Yeah. Knowing your programs is important. How do you go about getting the paid gigs? The that's pay- that's the question, right? Everyone wants to know. Yeah. Like, Honestly, what advice do you have? I've had the most luck on Craigslist. Craigslist is how I got that CeeLo Green music video. That's awesome. Craigslist is how I, I've... I've done work for iFunny. I've done work for a political candidate who did like, wanted like a web series. Like I did a whole like big long term job. And you've even gone out to then later, you know, direct. Yeah, I directed a music video yeah. for for Capital. That was and that was through. Uh, what a cool fucking name, right? That is. Amazing. Oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, I'm so, of okay, I didn't know. Um, fucking go ahead. <laughs> and his brother's name is. I like. Persons. I probably shouldn't tell these things. We can wow. we can beat them out. Let me just put it this way. But the name—they have the most ba names. Oh my god! It sounds like a like a '70s spy novel. Yeah. Summer Justice. <laughs> it does, huh? Yeah. So, Sky Shield. Yeah. So me and Sky have worked together, and and he's. I mean, that was a that was a Craigslist find. I just put my resume up, which you can't do anymore. Yeah. They charge you like five dollars a week or something to do that. Twenty five dollars a month. Yeah, they added they added some costs to their service. Like you used to be able to post in a couple different sections for free, but now it's like you know it's cheap. It's like five bucks come posting and job posting, which can get as high as like seventy five dollars. But they got all those legal fees now because they're held accountable for all the crazy <laughs> stuff. The that crazy thing going about on. Craigslist though is like it looks like you know Web one point oh. Yeah. For a lot of people, that very clean basic look works i mean google hasn't changed their search results interface ever like yeah. they just added the banner at the top yeah it gets a little like they get some animations or a little thing to change it up you know like when you click on the tech box but it looks the same yeah it's yeah. still just blue and black text on white yep on a white field very but simple it gets the job done one of my favorite animations is samurai jack and that's the whole oh, concept is white it. versus black over red I mean, I don't want to say it's basic because the more I learn about animation, the more I realize that nothing is basic in it. But but that's smart animation. It's minimalistic. Right? It's yeah, Gendy knew that he he came from Chicago. He's actually a Russian immigrant from Chicago. He's very close to my heart. He's one of my favorite animators, nice. Gendy Tartakovsky. Younger people might know him from the Hotel Transylvania series. <laughs> uh, but he he came out here from the Columbia Art School in Chicago with like I think he got into Cal Arts with just a, a shoebox full of flip books that he sent. And it was, they were like, these were all super simple, super like distill uh, art, not art deco, what's the other art form with all the cubism? Very yeah. cubist. But the character that he was able to bring across is what they loved about it. it, was like it every flipbook had this individual character, and you see that. You see that in Dexter's Lab, you see that in his work on Powerpuff Girls, you see it in Samurai Jack, how much he was yes. able to do with so little, because he was always more concerned with form and acting and characterization than he was with story story comes from that sure yeah and i think for me that's why i'm attracted to those stories well okay on that note then uh christian had mentioned you have a project oh yes blood fury yes my baby your baby can we talk about that yes um blood fury is a a free webcomic right now you can check it out at yeah plug plug the hell plug, out bloodfurycomic.tumblr.com that's how low budget it is but no but but you also <laughs> you, you can also uh, what's the instagram to check out the artwork instagram is at bloodfuryart we also have a twitch channel where i stream twice a week uh tuesdays at 9 p.m mm-hmm. 
and Sundays at and that's one. That's actually awesome because you're, what are you you're drawing. The right? actual animation. You're doing the yeah. animation work. Well, yeah. So typically there's a lot of illustration work right now. That's what fills the gaps and typically what I'm allowed to show on stream. Sometimes corporations or, or bigger companies, I obviously can't really show working on a Daughtry music video. Mm. Right? Like that's got a release date. I sign an NDA and things like that. Yeah. So anyway, this is my passion project. I've been working on it for three, four years. It started out as a concept for a Rihanna music video. Nice. Huh. Um, I, I had, she did that like super uh, desert punk style Mad Max music video, if you oh, guys yeah. remember. Yeah. And that came out about the same time. I've always loved Mad Max. My mom got me into Mad Max when I was a kid. I was, I took a post-apocalyptic literature class in college God, where that sounds awesome. it was that so sounds, much fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah, amazing writer and professor named Pinkney Benedict. And he really encouraged me uh, he was like, you're really good at writing this. You should continue to pursue it. And I was I was kind of in a funk. I was, I was working set. I think I was working on Last Man on Earth at the time, just doing like PA work. I was just stuck in traffic on my way down to Malibu, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, I, sh I should write something post-apocalyptic again. And I just, I was toying with the idea. There were a lot of women in my class who really didn't like that there were not a lot of female-centric post-apocalyptic things at the time. None of us knew Fury Road was going to yeah. come out yeah. in two years, yeah. right? So I was thinking about that, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I've always loved female-driven stories. I love Miyazaki films for that reason, yeah. you know? And I love Kill Bill. It's always been a source of information. And I love, love, love Pam Greer and old, like, exploitation, black exploitation films. And so it was just, like, playing with different tropes in my head, and I was like, it'd be badass if, like, Pam Greer's coffee was in Mad Max instead of Mel Gibson. Like, wouldn't that be a fun <laughs> yeah. movie to see, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And so I started toying with that idea, and I wrote it as, like, just a visual animation, a la Samurai Jack. There was no dialogue. I showed it to a mutual friend of ours, Dan, who was producing a lot at the time, and I was like, hey, do you like this? Would you want to help me make this? And he said, I like this so much that I want you to develop it into a full season-long television series that is awesome it was so cool it was it was like I, I'd only been here like a year year and a half at that point yeah so it was like a really big deal to me and, and that somebody like believed in my work and, and liked my writing you know like these That's are cool, those yeah. little things that keep you going when, when things get yeah. dark and hard uh, and so I developed it into a pilot which changed a lot yeah what was the length on a animated pilot it was like 28 pages. It was a solid half hour pilot. Solid? Yeah. Nice. Wow. Which we had to scale back once we started talking about funding. Because a, a pilot, a 30 minute pilot, excuse me. Um, I mean, on like the cheap, cheap anime outsourced budget is like 60 grand. That's what I was going to say. That seems incredibly ambitious. To yeah. Me. 28 page. Uh, well, so, yeah, so we, we, we actually trimmed it down to seven at one point. Oh, it, it, just, it was going to be a sizzle reel, basically. Yeah, a pitch concept, yeah. And that still is on the horizon, but eventually, like, we, we ran into funding issues because it is very violent. You're kind of talking niche. We're talking niche. Yeah, if you're, if you're not into bloody exploitation, black exploitation, Ozploitation, <laughs> it's a black female lesbian lead character not that that's 
central to the story, but that's a tough sell because I am a white heterosexual male. Yeah. And that was a, a concern, um, and rightfully so. We started bringing on like more people to help shape the character, and, and we brought on a writer named Shay Hayes, who's amazing, and we had a lot of other writers, actors, uh, teachers go over it from like different walks of life to get lots of different perspectives on it. Sure. Yeah, different age brackets. I think I've, we must have had around 20, 25 people Jeez. read it. Yeah. Wow. So so we, we went through all this process, all this process, and, and we were still having trouble finding funding. Animation's tough. Animation's yeah. expensive. Yeah. We don't have any proof of concept yet. We scaled it back and we decided, well, why don't we start releasing a comic? Because it's basically a set of storyboards. We have the storyboards sure. done. When we're finished with the comics, everyone can start reading it, get hyped about it, start developing a following. And that's what we did. Then the reality of being a freelance artist slash filmmaker in LA is that you just, money gets tight sometimes. You yeah, don't always yeah, have yeah. time to work on your passion projects. You know, I, we put out two issues, well over 60 pages in a year, a year and a couple months. Dude, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. And I'm hoping to put out the third issue this year, but I, I've decided to just kind of put it all out at once. I, Were you releasing it like every... A page a week. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. something every... A page a week. Takes so often. And like they're dense. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they are... Oh, I've definitely seen them. Lots. It's black and white. It's heavy halftones. It's lots of blood splatter. I like to play nice. with... Uh, panel design yeah I, I don't know I, it's it's a lot it's, I love it otherwise I wouldn't do it right yeah, yeah. no that's well so, and, and the characters are awesome well thank you I've seen the concept stuff that you showed out a long time ago and I just think I can't wait till this is a series because <laughs> it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be a lot of fun and we already have like voice actors and actresses lined up for everything it's just like how quickly can we get it done? Yeah, you know. Well, and, and maybe, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but like, I'm really stoked. Yeah, you gotta like, check it out. You're here right now, like this. <laughs> and I think you just hit on something that I think a lot of artists undervalue. There's gonna be a point in your life where you're gonna try and bring your baby, your passion project, the thing that that you've held close to your heart for years to fruition. Mm -hmm. And you are a testament that it takes it takes guts, man. It takes hard work, it takes sweat equity, but you do it because you love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I you mean, have to make sacrifices to do it, but Oh, so many. You're gonna you're gonna lose contact with people you care about. You're gonna you're gonna mess up relationships. You're gonna forget to feed your cat some days. Uh, <laughs> that's but that's part of I mean it, it is an obsession, right? Like what we do probably isn't healthy, but that's not why we do it. We don't do it because we love our bodies. We do it because we love the process and the conversation and the product and the more than yeah. we love ourselves. Yeah. That sounds sad when I say no, it. No, I mean, it's, it but becomes it's, an obsession. Like, like any artist understands that there are times where you are so infatuated with your art mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you, it, it almost gets to the point that the only time artists make art is when they decide, I would rather make that than live. Yeah. No, I, and that's what it takes. Sometimes, and that's, I'm not, t I don't think anyone should go out thinking like, I have to put art above health. Because that's not good either. <laughs> like, like, I can't make good art when I'm in a depression hole. I can't make good art when I haven't eaten all day and I get, I've got a pounding headache from it or I'm yeah. not hydrated properly. You know what? Yeah. My art is infinitely better when I get a good night's sleep, full <laughs> belly, and I'm, and I'm happy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It just yeah. comes easier. 
And I think that's that's the other. It's that balance, right? It's always finding sacrifice, pushing yourself, but not wearing yourself out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, having been someone who has worked in the traditional live action production aspect of media and entertainment and mm-hmm. here in LA and having worked on the animation side I think there's probably a lot of people who are early in their entertainment career that are thinking that they're relatively similar can you talk about the components that maybe do overlap but then <laughs> what makes these things really two different beasts at their core they're both visual storytelling the way the cinematic experience works the way beats work and dialogue that's all going to be universal between the two right anything not anything but most of the things in the script writing process most of shot orientation movement that's all Mm -hmm. those are those are principles you can learn pretty simply yeah you just have to make everything that's the real thing with animation is you're not finding things everything is coming out of somebody's head and you can you can have all the references in the world helps a lot but you're still not just plucking that reference and using it you know i'm not taking a box from point a and putting it in shot b it all it all has to come from you if you're going to animate you have to surround yourself with constant references of reality and of other art that you like and have experiences because that's where i mean any artist that's true but with an animator it's so much more true because your attention to detail is going to be that thing gets you hired or your style is going to be the thing that gets you hired you have to you have to be pulling internally. Live yeah. action is a very external. It's a, like you said, it's a That's collaborative a, yeah, effort. Yeah. Not to say that animation isn't collaborative, but the process of animating is very internal. Internal, yeah. It's very one singular. Yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time alone. You're going to spend a lot of time with your headphones on. So if you're not that kind of person, don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a difference between doing something and doing something successful. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, you're you're there's no shopping around for for curtains. You're going to go make those curtains. Yeah. There's no uh, still casting, but there's no like when you're when you're designing a character, you're not just going to go buy three shirts and try them on. You're going to draw every one of those shirts and you're going to do that practically. Animation's pre-production is like two thirds, three quarters of the process mm-hmm. because by the time you get to animating, you don't want to have to waste any time. You want everything you're doing to be one pass and on to the next thing and so you figure out all those things usually you have an editor involved in the script writing process to help you with like where shots are going to be by the time it's getting to the background painters they've got everything they need to know and they just have to put the paint on the board or on you know digital board jeez yeah i think film's almost the opposite now right it it feels like so much of film is taking place in post-production these days especially for the blockbusters yeah a lot of young filmmakers want to skimp on the pre-production. Yeah. It's not fun and it's work. And it's my favorite part. Well, Hire me to do which it. is why you're an animator, right? Because if you skimp on I that love, project, you're I not love pre-design. You're not making any. You're not animating anything if you're not doing pre. I'd love to be part of a producing team where, like, my job was just to take care of pre-production and then hang out <laughs> on set. And the rest of my job's done. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Most people, when they're starting out, your vision of what you're going to be doing. You know, if you're a director, it's like you're going to be on set. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's a part of it, but the process is so much more grand than yeah. that glamorized version of what we think it is. Directors must have, like, a steel mo- trap for a mind because you have to be keeping track of so many threads, both creatively and logistically at all times for the entire, like, six months you're working on and your then film. You're dealing with personalities and yeah. egos and you have 
How you yeah. gotta manage all that? I have a lot of respect. I used to think I wanted to direct, and I don't. I mean, I'd love to direct Blood Fury, but if, <laughs> if it wasn't like a passion baby of mine, yeah. I think I would much rather produce or something a little more behind the scenes. But that's part of it. Like, I think a lot of people come to LA and they're like, I failed if I didn't make it as the thing I came out for. And I, I, I change all the time. I'm doing, P, I'm the director of PR at a startup on the side, like part time right now, um, because it fills the gaps. And I started there as an animator, and I, just, they liked my work, and they liked that's my awesome. work ethic, and yeah, never what I came out here for. Right. You know what I mean? No. And that's okay. Yeah. And if you decide like I did that you don't really want to be a part of the mainstream or you don't want to be a director or whatever, that's okay too. There's like so many other jobs out there you can still work in the industry and do those other things. Right. What's next for Blood Fury then? I want to finish the third issue this year, and next year I'd like to put out a print graphic novel of the full collection. Cool. Then promote all sales would go to animating that sizzle reel pilot. Cool. And paying talent, things like that. That's awesome. We all, oh, we have a Patreon where where you can if you want to subscribe to just keep the project going. Go check it all out. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Blood Fury. Series? <laughs> just just <laughs> on or art. Look them up. Show them some love. Mike's an awesome guy, and this project is really, really amazing. And we can't. I mean, yeah. So well, thank subscribe. You. Thank you. I want to ask you your thoughts on. Obviously, I mean, we kind of grew up in in many ways, sort of a golden age of age of animation. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the current state of, of animation? And is it going in a positive direction, a negative direction? So we grew up in a period of golden animation because there was so much money flying around this town that anyone could do whatever popped in their head. So like you could get crazy people out there, like Klasky Shupo, Rugrats, John Kay, who did Ren and Stimpy, or anyone else who was just like making wacky, pushing the boundary shit. Uh, you could. There was the money. Yeah. Today, there's not the money. Yeah. It's, it's getting there. And part of that is because of, like, these entities combining, and you have, like, more market predictability with the Star Wars movies, sure. Marvel movies, and things like that. They can, they can make more calculated risks now, right? That's going to yeah. be really good, I think, for indie filmmaking and animation in the next uh, 10 years. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wow, that prediction. I think. I think. I'm wrong a lot. But I think there's amazing things happening. Uh, Rebecca Sugar, Steven Universe has just been um, fantastic. And it started off very simple and very yeah. almost like yeah. classic Disney, right? Lots of just circles and squares and triangles. You're right. But there's nothing. I just having to get back to basics, you know? Bojack Horseman is very simple animation when it started out. And they just you just keep adding, you know, you get that season two, you can do more things and it expands. It's just different because the technology is different. The talent pool is different. What's going on in the world is different. The things I love aren't getting funded, but I'm learning to love new things. You know what no, I mean? I, I love Bojack. I love Rick and Morty Adventure Time, which like the, oh, yeah, the art yeah. really turned me off at first. I, just, I had the same experience. But it's it's fantastic storytelling, and the art grows on you it's because really they know how to use it, right? Yeah. That's the other thing that makes animation it's different. It's a huge from, following now. Oh, it's please watch. If you if you were ever a middle school boy, ever. Watch that series. Or if you wish you were a middle school boy. Yeah, if you identify as a middle school boy. Um, but it's, it's very it on. It's very much about like, like teaching lessons to young boys about like how to be brave, how to deal with depression, how to treat women who like you who you don't like, how to treat women who you like who don't like you, yeah. you know, and things yeah. like that. But it's, it's always wholesome, and it's always promoting really 
I think valuable lessons. There's a there's a like season finale of three into the season opener of season four. I, I weep every time because there's just like <laughs> a really difficult lesson where these two people who love each other have to learn about like you can love each other but still be bad for teenagers. These 14, 15 year old kids make the decision that they have to just not be together and it just like Breaks how adult I think I was like 23 before I was able to make that <laughs> sort of decision so I think there's great things happening it's okay. just different what are three examples of shows that you think anyone interests in animation and I guess it doesn't have to be shows what are three pieces of content that you'd recommend sure I'm gonna give this the Mike Hulick spin so these are like if animation was gonna go in the direction I wish it would go okay these That's are fine. the three things you should watch hey the floor is yours absolutely watch the original heavy metal film from the 80s from the 80s yeah yeah I mean, it's actually amazing because so many animators point to that as a yeah. piece of inspiration. When we got to pitch Blood Fury to one of the execs over at Paramount, he was like, man, it's a shame Heavy Metal never took off. He actually worked on getting doing the live action with like, uh, Fincher was attached to it at one point. Yeah. Right, you guys was attached to it. Yeah. So he was, he really liked it. He's like, man, if like liquid television was still a thing right now yeah. on MTV, you'd have all these avenues. But So Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal, for sure. I mean, you can do more than three. I just want to know. You know, in the, from the mind of an animator, what... I think you should go back and watch Snow White. You should see where Disney started. Know that they invented Parallax. <laughs> like, like, that didn't exist before Disney. Jeez. Also know that Disney's first uh, studio went bankrupt. That's important to know. Yeah, try and try again. Yeah, try and try again. So those two for sure. And you know what? Honestly, watch Steven Universe. The animation is okay. fantastic. It's simple and fantastic. Okay. No, dude, that's, that's good. Now, now you have your homework. Get That's your fun computer homework, right now. Oh my God. Are you guys gonna have a comment section? I'd love for people to type what they think about those films, and I'll just like talk to them. Is that gonna be a thing? No, yeah, that's fine. I don't know how that format. Yeah. If okay. not, don't go through. Um, drop your, drop your notes on on Facebook or on social <laughs> media, and we'll give you how to connect with Mike at the end, and so you can. Oh yeah, Come tell him. Me. Tell Snow White was the boring movie. It's up, Mike. Yeah. It's up. It is boring. <laughs> it is a boring movie, but it's gorgeous, <laughs> and it's uh, educational experience yeah. so learn learn from the animation they also rotoscoped a lot of it you don't know what that I've is heard that that uh, filming live footage and then drawing frame by frame over it up through i think uh little mermaid was the first one that they did okay is there any animated thing that you think is really successful that you just appall you're like this is just an insult to the profession the trade oh no i mean if you want to be nice that's fine yeah i'm gonna be nice oh wait do you guys have like favorite animated films think about this you guys I would love to know your favorite or shows or like thing that shines above the rest is. I mean, we, we had mentioned it earlier. Like, I was always impressed with Samurai Jack. Mm -hmm. Was one. Oh my god! Add that to the list. I think from creativity, I D Man and I talk about this all the time. I could go on forever about a lot of the Tim Daly stuff coming out of DC in the '90s and early 2000s. Mm -hmm. I think is brilliant in terms of animation and and story and voice acting. They yeah. really got it right. That's another like good use of simplified characters because you, you didn't have the budget to do no. to do that such a cinematic scope and have really detailed And it's amazing because as DC's never really, I, I thought, hit the mark as well as they did with some of those projects. Oh, I agree 100%. And I'm like... Remember Batman Beyond? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, another thing I always thought was brilliant, Johnny Bravo. Mmm. Seth... Uh, Love the classics. Early, early on. Seth MacFarlane was part of that? I thought he was part of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bush Hartman was... Uh, the creator who went on to do Fairly Odd Parent. Something that early animation does is they do a really good job of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Example, there's a lot of stuff in anime, right? Japanese animation. If you 
I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> you don't about. know if you've never heard the word anime before. <laughs> um, Japanimation? Yeah. <laughs> Old Speed Racer? Uh, some of those shows, they do a really good job of storytelling and world building. Oh my god. Yeah. I, d- I just rewatched Fooly Cooly recently, uh-huh. which is another one of my favorites. And, and I'm rewatching Death Note right now because I realized I've never finished it. What? Yeah. I moved the last two times I tried to watch it, so it just got disrupted. Like, Well, maybe you shouldn't watch it, dude. Maybe you'll end up having to move someplace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh, something no. in there that just oh, gives no. you a mind shift you're like it's my ring <laughs> and don't watch the movie on Netflix because it's bad every single person has told me that yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna watch well, what's something you don't like that you what think do is I abysmal don't like that you're like don't ever watch this that's tough you could blacklist it what would it be there's a Korean stop motion film for infants called Doggy Poo I, I don't <laughs> I deep really know how to respond to this. So the story is... <laughs> now I kind of want to watch About it. a piece of poo. Who is trying to find his purpose in life. And you spend the first like 30 minutes of him just asking. He can't move. Because he's poo. <laughs> Very cute. I'll say that. And he, he asks a bunch of people. And then I think a sunflower like grows out of his poop. And then they recap like all of the struggles he had. But in real time. Just in like a sepia tone. <laughs> And so you have another half hour of that, and then like, <laughs> at the end, they're just like, you grew into a flower. This is like existentialist poo. It's really bad. It's about teaching young Korean babies that everything has a place in the world. It's very, it's abysmal. Um, okay, I guess I was hoping that you'd point to something like... More right. I like that people watch. I like almost everything. That's the problem. When it comes to animation, like... And here's the thing, like, even those those live-action Disney movies, I'm fine with if they're funding my Ryan Johnson trilogy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if, if that's what's bringing in the money so that we can make the good stuff, by all means, make it. Yeah. And it has an audience. It's like, uh, what's Love, Death, and Robots is on Netflix right now. Yes. There's no way they would have made that if they weren't putting out, like, the eighth season of Hemlock Grove or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So I, I try, I, I just, and it's not even like, like, I'm not, I'm not being PC here. I'm not just like trying not to shit on peers. I literally like, I just love animation. You see the value in all of it, really. I love that he's he's sitting here racking his brain. I really am. I think there's a children's cartoon I can't stand, but I can't remember. Probably. I don't know. It's weird, because I'll even flip on stuff. Like, I, I watched the Teen Titans Go. Oh, yeah. Determined to hate it. It's not bad. And it is brilliant. It's really like, fun. The more I watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this might be the best thing that is on network, like on yeah. on television. It's fantastic. And I totally thought that it was going to just be crap. And it is glorious. Totally digressed into this conversation. <laughs> sorry. And it, no, that's, that's why we're here. I'm sorry to the editor. <laughs> I mean, transitioning over, he's like jumping the gun. I am. A movie that you are a huge fan of. <laughs> That you said you could watch over and over again the Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, because they're really one giant movie. That's right, in my humble opinion. Break it down. What do you love so much about it? Oh, man. First, can I show you guys my Hattori Hanzo tattoo? Oh, my oh, gosh. That is awesome. I love Kill Bill. Right, hang on. we got to get a photo of that. That's that's legit. We'll, I, we'll throw this one up. I saw me. Tarantino at the New Bev once, and I really wanted to show him, but he was clearly on a date. So I didn't know <laughs> Yeah. Okay. One day. What do I love about it? Tiered question. Uh, I think it was the first film I saw, certainly not the first film to do it, it was the first film I saw that really humanizes the villain, which I adore. You okay. spend the last 45 minutes of the second film just hanging out with Bill. 
and her and listening to them talk and seeing the like layers of their relationship flake away you know you get these flashbacks all in in the second film where you see him with her and separate from her and helping her and manipulating her and you yeah. see that this isn't a simple relationship right okay. you see that she's a father fi- he's a father figure to her as much as a lover as much as a teacher and that muddles everything right yeah. it was it was super complex and i was like 16 17 when i saw it well after it came out and i just it, it kind of blew my mind it was like this is edgy and it's pop culture and it's mixing all these genres that i also love i got my wu-tang shirt on today, <laughs> who i found through tarantino yeah um, and that film, really. I'd never seen anything like it. It was like seeing Star Wars for the first time. There was nothing in my life that was anything like that film. And I, I think to this day, there's been a lot of things that I've tried, but including stuff that I've made. But yeah. nothing is quite tight on that level. And I could talk about it from so many different angles. Like I, You could probably answer this. Is Bill in Volume 1 at all? Yeah, yeah. You see his hand, hands, and you hear his voice. Okay. Yeah. You don't see his face until two. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Actually, you might see it in the credits sequence. It's like a post-credit sequence in one, but I'm not 100 percent sure. It's where he's talking to to Bud, his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I actually just watched these last night, but I was working <laughs> while I was watching them. I've seen them so many times. Like I don't. I can visualize what's happening most of the time. Yeah. 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 Um, so no. Yes. No. Kind of. Kind of. Is what well, if one of the listeners can let us know. Maybe like maybe you'll win something. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Yeah, his face is not. I'm so certain. Some another question I have for you then is: you said you see it as kind of like one film, mm-hmm. but if you had to pick, no, <laughs> there's no. Pick. They're two different. I mean, if you divide them, they're they're vastly different, and if you combine them, they're perfectly intertwined. That's a that's a good. No, you're. It was divided they do really feel well. like different movies. Yeah, one is much more an homage to. Asian cinema. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got the anime sequence, Samurai. Uh, You do have, like, the Chinese Kung Fu sequence in in two, but a lot of it's devoted to that Western aesthetic, you know? Mm -hmm. Bill's wearing a Western tweed jacket, and Bud wears his hat and lives off in El Paso. Oh, the score. Oh, the score. (laughs) But then you have that, like, very, like, Sunset Boulevard moment in the beginning where she's just driving down the road in black and white talking to you. Yeah. Like, it's a a survey of exploitation from noir to Kung Fu to samurai to black exploitation, like and I mean that's actually fascinating. And it's like perfect hero's journey. It's anachronistic in its timeline, but beat wise, it follows okay, the, I can see the that. hero's I journey. I can see that. You, you mean even up to like her going to get the sword? That's Luke's lightsaber moment. You know, it's it's the hero getting their special magical weapon, and he has uh, Hanzo has that monologue about if you come across God, God will be cut by this blade, like very mythical and over the top. Oh, getting, getting a <laughs> breathy over here. Uh, no, dude, I mean... Take a drink. Now, is there anything you don't? Not that you're calling... There's one line. Time. There's one line that bugs me every time, and it's, um, Silly Rabbit Tricks Her For Kids. I, I fucking... I don't know why that's in that movie. <laughs> it's that's like, volume one, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a... And, and it's, it's like, it's the predecessor to my favorite scene, because then you get 45 minutes of, like, a bloody ballet, and it's gorgeous. And that line is a is a great like trailer tool. It worked really well in the trailer. And I just every time I hear it, I'm like, it's unmotivated. She's never called her a rabbit. There's no reference to her being a rabbit. There's so much imagery and metaphor throughout that whole film. There's that no rabbit very, metaphor yeah. anywhere. No, you're right. You're right. But you know, kiddo, she is childish. There is that. 
she's learning to be mm. an adult. When she tries to escape to be an adult, Bill pulls her back into his childish world of want and excess. You know, it's a deep film, dude. It is. I wrote an essay about it in college called uh, "Love and Carnage," and it was a dissection of a, a post-nuclear family as represented. <laughs> so, like the divorced parents and the creepy uncle, and yeah. the, the lesbian aunt. Oh, that's all right. I'm, I, I think there's a lot of. I, think I would read that. Guys, someday we'll just go get a drink and just, just let me talk about how it represents the postmodern family. So another question I have for you then, in, in reference to Kill Bill. In the broader works of Tarantino, do you think that is his best work? Mm, that's a good question. The masses always think of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, well, and now uh, the Nazi one, Inglorious Bastard. That opening yeah. scene. I was blown Hands away. Down. Like, right when she's running through the field or whatever, I was like, I don't even care what the rest of the movie is. <laughs> like, that was worth the price of entry. That was dope. Yeah. This is going to be a yeah, weird good scene. critique of Tarantino, but, like, I feel like that movie is disjointed. I feel well, like it, each scene by itself is fantastic, but there's no act two in that film. Well, I think I think people have made that argument about a lot of Tarantino's films. Right. I don't feel that way about any of the Like, I feel like, well, I guess Pulp Fiction is literally a bunch of, like, yeah. they're interwoven, so it keeps it interesting. Yeah. As opposed to this, like, this is, you, the, the protagonist of the film is Shoshana, right? Yeah. We don't see any of her growth. We see her catalyst, and, and we see revenge. her revenge, yeah. and we see nothing in the middle. Minus, you know, building up to the revenge. Her deciding oh, yeah. the revenge. Yeah. And then we spend a lot of time with the bastards who are the deus ex machina at the end of the... Kind of. I guess not. They're, I guess they just die. What's the point? Oh, they shoot people. Yeah. <laughs> they lock... Oh, they lock... I don't know. The movie's... The movie's no goddamn sense. But it's beautiful <laughs> and it's really well acted. I still like every watching it. I know I'm in the minority on this one. I think that's why I fight so much because I just... I, I have a lot of... I, I really love those first four films. I love Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill. Um, and then everything after that is really great moments. Really enjoy Django, but like I love the first four films. Well, something special that changed. Something changed. I did hear, I don't remember what film it was on. Uh, he had a longtime collaborator. Sally that, uh, Yeah. She passed just after Inglorious Bastards, I think. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I know, I don't remember what film she last worked on. But I do know that like people have made note. The pacing is a little bit different. It's a little bit, like you said, a little bit more disjointed, I guess you'd call it. I think so. There's a story from Pulp Fiction in, in like the special feature where he talks about how she, or maybe she talks about it. But basically, that, that date scene was supposed to go on for like 40 minutes. You were going to have a full date. And she had, like, had to fight him tooth and nail to cut it out. But she could, and she did. And it, I think it's for the better of the movie. Yeah, I can definitely agree. Well, it's weird that, yeah, there's that idea that, you know, hey, the, the next people that step in, maybe now they're not, they're looking up at Tarantino as like, you're Tarantino, and he says, this is what you got to do, you got to figure out how to do it, where, you know, if you're, if you're collaborating on that equal footing, you'll yeah. step in and be like, you're wrong. Yeah, well, and, and she's not there anymore, so whoever got brought in was brought in was brought in you know they she didn't come up with him yeah volume one and two together are a near flawless movie. have you guys read the script by chance i have not have not it's fantastic it's it's fairly close to what was made minus a few extra I a lot of his scripts are yeah very close he writes things in that he knows aren't going to make it into the final cut because he likes them like there's a scene after beatrix comes out where she goes and, and digs up a coffin under a tree and there's all these vials of different like 
serums that Bill's created. In the film, you only see the truth serum that he shoots her with. Mm-hmm. But he's got, like, a, a love potion and, like, all these yeah. different ones. It's very comic booky, And he, you know, I think it was a good choice to take that out of the movie. Because the movie's already wild enough. You don't need to add more comic book humor to it. Sure. Yeah. So I think it was a really good decision. But, yeah, he, he like, hides stuff. But also, I think he knows the stories he's telling. I, I want to start by saying that Tarantino is my very favorite director of all time. You know, he's the, and Kill Bill is the film I aspire to make. I, I'm glad he made it when he made it. He, he wrote Kill Bill when he was stuck writing Glorious Bastards. He, he, I guess he got writer's block or something. Not writer's <laughs> that, block. He was struggling with the I'm story. I'm like, dang, I need Tarantino writer's block. It's like, well, so he decided to switch gears and he just wrote something for himself. And it ended up being this massive thing. And I know that Uma actually came up with the character of the bride, talked with him previously, and they kind of developed the character together. I think that shows. I think there's, there's more like, you know, when you're young and you're struggling, you don't know if you're going to make it to the next thing or you're you want the approval of critics or whatever it is you're working really hard to get those things but you're also like you're taking those real world struggles and they're they're influencing what you're doing and you're yeah. adapting and you're moving yeah. and you're only adding what fits right as opposed to when you can have things any way you want them they're going to be in there whether they fit or not yeah and i think that's some of the problem with a lot of different directors who who get to a point where no one where they're the biggest name on the project, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, no, uh, no. You see, I'm not going to start time. slamming no, 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 directors. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I think what you're trying to say is there sometimes reaches a That's point. That's the secret name of this where, podcast. Where, like, this whole thing was a ruse, <laughs> and we just bring everybody on to try <laughs> to, get them to slam some. It's all the film school no. brats. They're like, we've been watching you, Mike Kulik. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what you're trying to say is a director's early on in their career get the creative pushback that they need from producers, editors, people around them, whereas sometimes later down the line, people defer to the fact that this, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make waves. And I think we know from all art yeah, that, that wave-making process... <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. But that wave-making process is, is sometimes what yields great results. It's, filmmaking is a collaborative art, right? We've said it how many times on this episode? A million. If, if you're the only creative force out of film, the, I think the film is going to suffer. Yeah. Unless unless you're a tour de force. But then just learn how to do everything you're, on your own, you know? Yeah. Felix... I'm going to mess his name up. I don't know his last name. He's this animator. He just puts out like these most amazing animations all by himself. He'll like pay for one song and he'll animate to the song like old school Disney style. Dude, and they're amazing. That's intense. They're all like like if you can imagine a Terry Gilliam film mixed with uh, like Yellow Submarine but made in Flash. <laughs> like they're amazing. I think it's wow. Crossgroves. I always mess up his last name. He's great. I kind of want to get drunk and watch him. Yeah, fantastic way to do that. Any sort of substance abuse is highly encouraged. Yeah, except for the fact that it's not. We're trying to get responsible people here. Oh, sorry. We don't Cut want to that out. Drugged up drunk people running around watching flash videos on their phone. We don't? I think we do. That's just, that's just called being an animal. Yeah, that should happen. Um, something else I want to ask you about, and in the news, I want to say within the last year or two regarding Kill Bill was the car crash. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you yeah. seen that video? No. I'll have to send him a link. So Uma Thurman, we'll post it. for one of the final shots, is driving on, I think it's like a sandy road kind of. Yeah, it's like a desert road. Yeah, something like that. And Hawaiian. she ends up losing control of the car. Now, she is the driver. They had a stunt driver there, and she had voiced to Tarantino that she did not want to do this. But he talked her into doing it, 
And they have the video of it. She actually slams her car into a tree. She ended up having like some neck injuries and some stuff. And it was weird because I guess they had, you know, a great kind of a collaborative relationship and they really haven't worked together since then. I kind of, what I wanted to ask you was a little bit about that trust that when you're in a director's shoes, in this case, it's, it sounded like he kind of broke that trust. Yeah. What do you like? What do you think about people collaborating multiple times, not ever violating that trust? Like, doesn't it seem natural that eventually, like, something will come up? Yeah, I think it's always important to remember that people are still people. I think when yeah, like we fuck up. Yeah, but also like as an artist, I think it's really easy to become obsessed with your project and to forget that in a collaborative art, it's not just yours anymore. And also like. These people have lives, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's not trained to do the... If that story's true, and I, I, I assume it is, she wasn't trained to do that, and if she didn't want to, then she shouldn't have been coerced into doing so. You know, if somebody voices that they don't want to do something, and you have the ability to do it another way, what's the issue, right? Do you want a close-up? I think so. I, I think that's the kind of thing you could figure out early on in casting. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, you don't have to wait till the day of to figure out that particular issue. Which I think that's literally what it was, was it came up that day and they're like, hey, you're gonna, we need you to do it. Well, and I mean, well, I, that happens too. Like, things just come up on the fly. That's part of filmmaking. I mean, yeah, yeah and you're right, you have to be flexible. But I do think it's kind of weird that if she was so uncomfortable with it, like, you would have thought that. Like you said, they seemed really close through, like, Pulp Fiction and they developed the character together. And, and like, I've seen a lot of special features or featurettes about the making of the film and they seem to work really closely together. And you're right, then after that it was like... Pfft. Well, the reason I even know this story is because I believe Uma Thurman actually wrote a piece describing that. Oh my god. So there's something out there. You, yeah, well, I that. mean, and there's a lot of changes happening in the film industry for the, for the better, but it seems like, unfortunately, a lot of people have been uh, manipulated and coerced and made yeah, to right. sit quietly for a long time. I remember... I think it was a documentary about Star Wars. The stunt coordinator guy says, like, oh, hey, they do the, you know, where Luke and Leia oh, yeah. rappel across that cavern in the Death Star. And he ends up, he tells a story where he's like, you know, Mark, would I have had you do this stunt, you know, if uh, it wasn't safe? And he's like, it wasn't. <laughs> and like he's laughing because like it all worked out and it was a funny story and it was like, the 70s we're like yeah but I mean essentially no it's one like no fear <laughs> we're trusting you man yeah I mean it's not a problem till it is right yeah like if if, if Umed never spun out and crashed it wouldn't have been an issue it might be a funny story yeah um, but those things happen and how much risk are you willing to take I I'm not typically wi willing willing to risk someone's safety or my relationship with yeah. You know what I mean? For I don't sure. want someone to come off a project with me and go, I'm never working with him again. Sure. Because at the end of the day, you don't have any so reputation. What? I said, so I shouldn't have said that? You shouldn't say that. Not, <laughs> I told you to stop saying that. Um, you should clarify that. There was a joke. There was a joke. Mike and I have now done a couple projects together. How much of this is coming out? He's amazing to work with. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, everyone's different. You get different. Everyone's got different opinions on art and and how far to take it. But I'm of the opinion that I value people. I make art for people. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to sacrifice one for the other. All right. That makes sense. That's actually a really good answer. Yeah. That's a fantastic answer. So final question for Kill Bill from me. Um, 
favorite scene. Okay. It's the it's the last scene. Well, almost second to last scene. It's the one where they she finishes telling her story about finding out about her pregnancy. And and she's sitting on the couch with the vial of truth serum in her leg to standing at the like sliding glass door holding her samurai sword and Bill's sitting and he's got his samurai sword in front of him and a, a bottle of what is clearly expensive liquor. <laughs> he's already had like two or three shots very subtly while he's been giving monologues throughout the last 45 minutes. But this is the first time you see him kind of sinking down and sloshing a little bit. And you can really see how much this whole thing is killing him. And wow, I gotta watch this game. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, wow. Yeah, she's so many layers here. I didn't even... And she sits down notice. and they talk... And what's really beautiful, I just realized for the very first time last night, is um, at the, in the beginning of the, the scene when they start fighting, they're both sitting, which is just beautiful staging immediately. Um, yeah. They're on opposite sides of a picnic table. And she goes to pull out her sword, I think, and he stops it or something. Something ends up happening, and, and she uses her sword to block his, and hers goes flying. And all she can do is block for the rest of the like very brief fight they're having. She blocks with the hilt, blocks with the hilt. He goes to stab and she like dodges it and pulls her hilt up and sheaves his sword and like spins it away from him. And that's when she does the five point exploding heart technique right. where she literally breaks his heart, but for a second time. Yeah. And so you get this like human moment because as she's doing it, the tears just start streaming from her face. I mean, Uma's ugly crying in this moment and, and Bill's just shocked. And he has that moment where he goes, he taught you the five-point exploding heart technique. Because early on, they'd set up that he's, he's never taught it. Right. Anything. And she's just just bawling. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, why didn't you tell me? And she goes, I don't know. Because I'm a bad person. And I just lose it every fucking time. <laughs> uh, because like even in his last moment, he's manipulating her to feel bad about defending her child. And while that's happening, they both clearly love each other so much. You yeah. know what I mean? As unhealthy as it is, as fucked up as the well, whole situation is. That scene is, oh, it's always so heartbreaking because obviously they have this history together, but you can tell they both genuinely, they care about each other, but it's gonna end. this has to end it's and we know it right it's the title of the film and yeah and honestly nobody wants to see bill end up with bb everybody wants mama lion to get her cup back right yeah oh yeah and so that's what that's the other thing that i learned from this film like early on is is i was always and i think a lot of young filmmakers they try to trick the audience at the end ah this isn't what you expected this is a film that gives you exactly, exactly what, what it promises, mean. but there's so many turns around along the way that by the time you get it, you don't even know if you want it anymore. Yeah. No, that's that is yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Because I did have that almost that exact feeling the first time I saw it, where I was like, "Wow!" Like I thought it was gonna be this like you know almost masterful battle where you're like, "She's gonna do it," but the way it ends, I was like, "It's really sad." It's really well, sad. I, I, was, I did not expect that. I always thought it was interesting, right? Cause because it's really two films about sort of this cycle of violence, mm -hmm. right? And um, in the first one, after she kills... Bernita Green. She kills... Right? And she's like, oh, like, look me up in, in 10 years. I was like, it's interesting because I felt like that scene there 
when you couple it with the ending in the other one, I'm like, that is really a film about kind of like, in many ways, what life is. Yeah. You know, how... It's very Boys in the Hood. In some ways, right? How people kind of become what they... It's not even that people become. It's that, like, your your actions... I mean, someone else... It affects someone else. Yeah. And, and it yeah. all comes back around. Well, that's how cycles of violence work. You do the things that were taught to you when you were young or that that you internalized when you were young. You do them to other people who in turn internalize them when they're young and it creates... Uh, or it's like cycles, cycles of abuse or the yeah, same Yeah, it's thing. very hard to break. And I mean, it's... At the end, BB's watching Shogun Assassin, which is obviously not age-appropriate, uh, which was adapted into Lone Wolf and Cub as a manga. Uh, but Shogun Assassin, or it might have been the other way around. I'm not sure about the, the chronology. Uh, but that also has that trope in it about this, this father who has to kill to survive because people are trying to kill him and his son's just witnessing it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, just, it's these awful cycles. It, it, the film knows what it's doing. Also, like... You can analyze it from a feminist perspective. It's fascinating. From a capitalist perspective, it's fascinating. Wow, how would you, I would want to see that. Just look at how money is spent and represented, how opulence versus uh, working class versus I'll have lower to, class. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Shit. I want to watch like Kill Bill, but like each time after like you know a different perspective yeah. on it. Yeah, I, 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 someday I want to write a book where each chapter is a different Dutchman using a different critical lens. Yeah, like that would be fun. That would be cool. Yeah. They have to rewrite Love and Carnage first. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, just advice to the audience if you're still listening uh, definitely check out Kill Bill 1 and 2 if you haven't seen them in a while because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just got a ton of, uh, of new stuff to, to evaluate this movie. I know, now I'm going to be watching like, for little things. Hell yeah. If you guys ever want to watch, I'm always down. Dude, okay, I'll take you up on that. We'll do it. We'll we'll definitely do it. I hope you will come back on. I would love You're to. You're going to have tons of projects to talk about, and we could probably talk about Kill Bill for another four and a half hours. There's also Games. Superman. Superman. <sighs> Not that. Um, <laughs> how, can, how can our listeners get in contact with you? you got questions to see your work? What... Please shamelessly plug yourself. Sure. And any shout outs you got to make to your people so you don't get, you know. But yeah, hit me up on Instagram. It's just Mike at Mike Hulick. H U L Y K. It's a weird name. <laughs> um, I've got I've got too many websites right now, so don't worry about that. Um, but what was the, can you just say one more time, the Blood Fury Tumblr? Oh, the Blood Fury Tumblr is bloodfurycomic.tumblr.com. And then uh, Twitch is obviously actually a really great way to interact with me. Um, it's also a really good way to get cheap art. And, that, and that's just blood, uh, twitch.tv slash bloodfuryart. So that and my Instagram, at Mike Hulick. Are, are, are you on Twitter or Facebook? Or kind of sort of? Not active. I like auto posts for my Instagram. Yeah. I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Solid. Awesome. And, thank and we'll you. be sure to share all that as well so you can find my Yeah, it'll be in the description. Thank you so much for thank coming you guys. on the show. This was so much fun. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. Really yeah, this was awesome. If you uh, have any questions or comments or feedback, you can hit me up at Big Kid D Man. And you can find me at Indy Calfana. Let us know what you think about the show. If you've got any questions for Mike, you can uh, throw those out as well. So, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back.